So I pull this one off the wall and it actually has like, comes into this copper head and there's like a gasket and a plate. And I had no idea. I had never seen anything like it. And luckily I was in like a supply closet, which is a good thing I wasn't in a patient room. And like, I did have a gauge on it later on. It was like 110 pounds coming out of this thing. Like my bangs were like straight up in the air and thank God for our radios. So I, I could not get, like, I couldn't get it to reseat. I needed a new gasket is what I needed, which I didn't know at the time. So I was like, like the boy with his finger in the hole in the dike. Like I just like, I, I had my finger over this hole and I radioed for my buddy and I'm like, Hey, um, are you busy right now? Could you come up to room? Blah, blah, blah. At Cool Air Products, we developed AC Smart Seal Quick Shot with professionals in mind. It's the only product on the market that's three in one with sealant, lubricant, and UV dye all in a single application. It's non toxic, non flammable, 100% safe to the touch, eco friendly, and compatible with all refrigerants. It's a safe solution option backed by years of RD, Intertech tested, and has sealed millions of leaks. AC Smart Seal. The professional's choice. All right, so I just did my first demo with the tools I picked up from the master group. The first one was the Klein 8-in-1 interchangeable insulated screwdriver. Now, it's a cool screwdriver. It comes in a, a nice, compact little pouch. The bits slide in very easily. They pop out very easily. And only, just so you guys know, only two of the, the drivers are insulated. That is one of the Phillips because there's two number two Phillips in there and one of the flatheads and the Robbies are not the Robertsons are not insulated and neither is the smaller of the two flatheads so I've never seen a Robbie in an electrical compartment to be honest with you like on a wood screw or sheet metal screw sometimes yes but never in an electrical compartment so that is the the first tool I demoed from the master group there's a couple of more coming so Stay tuned for those. In the meantime, check out master.ca. What's up, guys? Welcome back. We got Brandy Ferentz on the podcast. She was on with us back uh, within within the last year, I think, or maybe a little bit further back than that. And we talked about centrifugal chiller maintenance, and it was really eye-opening for me because I see centrifugals all the time, but I just don't work on them myself. So it was a really good discussion. So if you guys want to travel back i can even put a link in the podcast notes here if you guys want to travel back in time and listen to that episode but brandy has entered a new chapter in her life and she's went in-house into a hospital setting as a refrigeration technician to maintain hospital equipment cooling equipment mri machines ductless splits as as you'll hear her discuss and she's also back into teaching which she does at nights And teaching is a very commendable job because a lot of people don't realize the energy and effort and patience it takes to teach somebody until you actually start doing it, especially a bunch of people, not just a one-on-one like an apprentice or a helper, but in a classroom environment. It takes a lot of patience. It takes a a special kind of person to be a teacher. So we're going to get into this conversation with Brandy about teaching, about her role as an in-house technician at a hospital. And it's a good one. It's sort of eye-opening and you might think it's boring in-house, but Brandy has a different story to tell. So let's get to it right now. This is the HVAC Know-It-All podcast. I'm your host, Gary McCready. Welcome to the HVAC Know-It-All podcast. 
recorded from a basement somewhere in Toronto, Canada. Your host and HVAC tech, Gary McCready, will take you on a deep dive into the industry discussing all things HVAC. From storytelling to technical discussion. Enjoy the show. All right, Brandy, we're recording. All right. <laughs> Finally. For those that uh, are listening, we had a lot of technical difficulties over the last half an hour. So we are here. How, how are you doing? I'm doing great. Thanks. How are you? Good. Yeah. And um, as I reminded you, the last time we talked, I forgot to hit record on the whole episode. And then I, we yeah. had to do it all over again. And then we had difficulties again. Yes. But technology is awesome when it works. But when it screws up, it's one of those things. It's like, yeah, I'm feeling like it's something to do with me. So maybe I'm a little jinxed when it comes to these things. You know what? I'm jinxed when it comes to technology all the time. Like I, I can shuffle my way through it, but I'm not I'm no expert at it. I'll admit that for sure. Yeah, yeah. I'm with you. So I wanted to get you on because you have a a new position over the last what year or so year uh, yeah about nine months not quite uh, well on the year but yeah i'm well past the probationary period so that's awesome good. <laughs> but it, it looks pretty cool because it seems like you're working on different things all the time like small things big things yeah uh, stuff in between and but maybe before we get into that there's something that i thought was pretty cool that i've been noticing on your instagram is is your teaching now that's that's yeah how did that yeah. all start? Yeah, well, actually, um, I started teaching many moons ago, part-time instructing. Uh, I think I started for the first time was 2014 or 2015. And I was just instructing the gas fitter program. And, but I, of course, had my previous position, my gig with Johnson Controls, because that's who I've spent all of my HVAC career with until I moved to the hospital. So um, I really was stoked to get into it because I know I was really positively influenced by a lot of my instructors and I really found them like a source of inspiration. And, you know, there, I think a lot of times there was always a few that played that make or break role type of thing. So um, I really always wanted to dip my toes into that water. And then I did, but I mean, as you know, with the position I had before and like a lot of other mechanics, when you're rolling in the service truck your days are very unpredictable. And then there's that, you know, om ominous on-call schedule that happens, right? Yeah. So it's tough because I don't even know how many times I've been like fired from like a dentist and stuff for canceling appointments last minute. <laughs> That's funny. <laughs> you know, but when you're teaching, you don't have that option to be like, oh, hey, my call went late or I went to pack up at three o'clock, even though my class isn't until six. And then the shit hit the fan and I had to go to another call, right? So yeah. I found it hard. My employer at the time, I was working out of the London branch and they were very supportive, which was great. Um, it is a great paying part-time job. I can honestly say there's probably not going to be another part-time job that will pay as well as instructing for tradespeople. But, uh, and although they were supportive, I was driving all over Hell's Half Acre. So I kind of hung on to it on and off. I've taught for um, I taught for Conestoga. Um, I taught for the union. I've taught for like a few different places uh, through the years. Um, I did like um, an OEAP program. It was like a dual credit program where we did, um, there was students that were finishing their last year of high school. So they got a college and a high school credit, which was cool. Um, and I've done the gamut. And then I finally was kind of like, this is too much. And I gave it up. 
And then interesting, interestingly enough of how like things happen is I changed my LinkedIn to when I went to the hospital and I hadn't taught since 2016. I finally packed it in. I said, you know what? It's too much. I, you know, you're not doing either job really well. And I didn't like that. I really am more that, that person where I want to give, give it my all. Right. So, yeah, yeah. and, uh, I was lucky enough that the coordinator loved me at Georgian and he actually reached out to me when my LinkedIn changed and said, Hey, like, are you interested in coming back? And Georgian was the last college I taught for back in 2016. So, um, I did their gas fitter three program at the time. And he goes, I see you're in-house now. Like, are you still on call? And he kind of knew the struggles I had, which, I mean, everyone's working and doing this gig part-time anyway. It was yeah. really, it just depends on the company that you're with and the area that you have to cover, as well as your on-call schedule. Like, I was flailing around trying to get guys to cover the nights I had class and, you know, pulling some crazy hours. So as it worked out, I was, uh, I, I said to them, yeah, I, I've got this new gig. It's supposed to just be eight to four which it hasn't been until now. And uh, they gave me an opportunity to come back and be a part of their um, HRAC team. So they, at Georgian, they call it HRAC. So it's heating, refrigeration, and air conditioning. I love that they dropped the V and they put the R in because, you know, uh, sheet metal is its own trade unto itself, right? So um, although we do do a lot with venting, I do find that that's very trade specific. So it's mm -hmm. been great. It's a, I'm part of a great team. And it really gives you this renewed sense of, I guess, like you kind of, you had a post today about when you have time to teach an apprentice, right? Yeah. Yeah. And it is refreshing and it's great when they get it. And I love, uh, even when they don't get it, I love trying to find the new way to explain it. Right. So. Yeah. It's, it's just, if, if you, if you like and accept the challenge, then you will like teaching because everybody's different and some people will get it like, like they just sit in the back of the class, nod their head as you're talking, they get it. And yeah. then there's people that look so perplexed that they're like, you don't think they're ever going to get it. And you have to sort of change up maybe your methods to get the, 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 the light bulb to go off. Right. That's right. Yeah. And then at the end of the day, we know that not everybody makes it and that's okay too. Right. Because sometimes knowing what you don't want to do guides you to that perfect little groove for your own life path. Right. So mm -hmm. Um, it's all good, but yeah, it's been good. It's, it's been fun. And without, um, going to the hospital, I probably wouldn't have taken on this challenge. And, um, I've kind of been slowly progressing my way up North. So it's great because, um, I'm North of Newmarket and, uh, for, I've never been this close teaching. Like last time I taught in Barrie, I was living in Kitchener. So it's that's great. A, yeah. That's, that's a far drive. <laughs> yeah. But at the time I never thought of it as far because we were driving all over hell's half acre anyway. So it was nothing for me to be in a truck for four hours a day anyway. But yeah, I mean, having the in-house gig in town where I live almost and then having Barry so close, I kind of feel a little spoiled. But then I also kind of feel like I deserve it at this point in my career. So it's okay. You know, you know there's people that don't know Barry and Kitchener. They're probably Google mapping like <laughs> yeah. where, where exactly you live. Yeah, well, Southwestern Ontario, we'll just call it that. Or Canada for those that are farther away. <laughs> yeah. So so the, the teaching part, is that, um, is that online, the teaching part at the moment? Yeah. So actually I took on four nights a week, which actually two nights are online and two nights are in the shop. So, I mean, doing a trade, we have to have the hands-on part or you're not going to do it. Right. So there is that requirement you have to pass. So with the COVID, um, it made a lot more work for the instructors, but what we got, um, we were allowed to do is we're allowed to have 10 students plus an instructor. Yep. And obviously we have all the protocols in place. So everyone's six feet apart. 
we have the lab set up so that, um, you know, you know, we usually work in groups of two or pairs, right? So we, we can't really do stuff like that anymore. So the labs are designed where, you know, students will be working on different things at different times, but they're by themselves and they're all staying separately. And then we've got all like the, you know, they're wearing masks and shields um, or glasses and the hand sanitizing and everyone has like a, a COVID attendance sheet. So I keep track in case we do have an outbreak, we know who is there and yeah, they're very diligent, which is great. And um, obviously the same thing with cleaning the tools and sanitizing. So two nights a week, I go to the shop and that's my, those are my favorite nights. Like, let's be honest, like we're hands-on people, we're visual learners. So the online part, kind of like what we went through before we got online tonight, Gary, it's like, it's such a struggle. Like I've had to learn, um, we use WebEx, but there's also like an online interface they call a Blackboard. And yeah, it's been, I have been a student just as much as they are because I'm learning how to deliver like all this curriculum online now as well. So. Yeah, I, I think for adults, it's, it's, it's a good option if you can't, um, if you can't travel and stuff like that, just there, there's a lot of stuff happening online with training yeah. nowadays that there's, there's trainers from manufacturers and stuff that have to do this online because of the travel restrictions and all that. So it's, it's something that I, I guess we're going to get, we're going to have to get used to. It yeah. just sucks for that, the hands-on part, right. And, and the sort of meeting new people and camaraderie and stuff. And that was, a that I think that had a, a there was a lot to going to a training seminar and meeting other technicians within the oh, industry and, and yeah. having, having a beer at lunch or whatever. <laughs> like there's, there's been a ton of times where you just meet up with new people and it, it, it's a great time. It just, you can't have that online and that's the only part that sucks about it. Yeah. It is like, you do make those lifelong bonds, which is funny. Cause you'll talk to this guy like, Oh yeah, we did basic together. And you know, it's like you, you're always close and it's, you're, you're right. You're missing that part of it. Um, I do find though the students like they have their own little group chats and stuff like that that go on outside of um, like our classes together so I find they're still finding ways to keep in touch and you're right I think as the online tools get developed like that virtual learning and troubleshooting like um, how cool was that with the electrical um, like uh, there was a the thing I saw where you can actually you're testing you know electrical components but it's all virtual like you know what i mean with like VR yeah that's that. yeah that's that's interplay learning they have this yeah. that, this whole thing set up where you can actually um get a gaming computer and vr a vr headset and do training yeah. right right from the wherever wherever you are right yeah like that blows my mind and i think um and even the company i came from before like that's where the technology is going as well like I did have the privilege to work on a lot of uh, chillers for a long time at the end of my stint there. And even with uh, manufacturers in-house training, they're going to that kind of place where you're going to be able to like circle a machine, like with an iPad type of thing. And it's going to actually direct you to like the area that you should be focusing your troubleshooting on and stuff like that, mm -hmm. which, which is great. But, you know, like you said, a lot of this is still in the development phases. So in the time being, we still get to go like hang out in the shop at least a little bit, even if it's with, with a much smaller group. It's just made it more of a scheduling nightmare, which is, you know, that's on the college's uh, plate. So just having to, many more labs have to be scheduled and then they have to have more instructors to cover that time. So, but it's a lot of fun. And uh, I've got a really good group of kids. I actually have two girls, uh, women, young women. I shouldn't call awesome. them girls. And I can honestly say in all of my years, this is the first time I've had um, a female student. I never had the privilege of going to school with a peer like that. 
and I have um, two young women. So, and it's great. The one's not even in my class, but I think that's cool too, because she actually will reach out to me. Um, she's in one of the other instructor classes, but I've met her because I've gone in early to shadow other instructors. And so she's seen me. And uh, so it's great to be there too, because I always think that, you know, for them, it's kind of nice to have that one other um, person you can relate to, right? So yeah, like, for sure. Oh, well, if she can do it, you know, so yeah. So it's kind of cool. And, and you know, and the ages are mixed too. I've got young kids that are in their early 20s and then I've got people on their second career. Um, you know, some, some of them largely due to COVID, they've gone in for retraining. And I say like, you're making a great choice because look at us, right? Like we've got to be a pandemic proof trade really, so. Yeah, I, I remember when I was back in school, when I was right out of high school, there was people in their in their early 30s, even early 40s, a couple of people uh, taking the, the HVAC and refrigeration course at Humber College. And, and I found yeah. that to be to, to be like strange going straight from high school yeah. to being in class with a, like a 40 year old man. It was it was yeah. really strange, <laughs> right? It was it was really odd. But yeah, um, any, anyway, so that's that's good that you're doing that because there's a lot of people that don't really have the patience to teach and and good teachers are needed out there so that's yeah. commendable that, that you're doing that so thank you no problem so the the hospital gig right we need yeah. to talk, we need to talk about that because a hospital is a different kind of place right so if you guys are following the trends in in new tools coming out right a lot of them are not having displays on them. We're going to a mobile device as the display. So Yellow Jacket has a scale as such, the, the wireless Yellow Jacket scale. It, it's, a, it's a pretty neat scale, but you got to see and look at your readings on your mobile device, your tablet or your phone. Now, when I say the industry is moving towards this, when Vito Pro Pack starts to make tool bags that <laughs> have tablet uh, folders or tablet sections in the back of the bag like for instance the tpxl i believe has one that's the way of the industry people are techs are going to be carrying around tablets if not already i know a lot are but in five years from now like 50 percent of techs are going to probably have a tablet because of these tools that are coming out that you need to to use a tablet or a phone and the reason for this is because of the extra added information that you can get out of this stuff so yellow jackets got the scale the wireless scale you got to look at your your readings and your your information on a tablet or phone so check that out when you have a chance so subco subco's trade fox brand is is really sort of um gaining some traction with with a lot of people one of the one of the the inventor showcases I seen coming through my newsfeed from Subco was was the guy that invented the the uh, a style of locking caps for for like your Schrader caps to lock them up because in a lot of neighborhoods people are going around and stealing refrigerant some people are huffing refrigerant and getting sick and passing away from it so the locking caps are a must in a lot of situations so. Subco Trade Fox, that is a Trade Fox tool. If you guys want to present your idea to Subco that you've got, even if you've got a prototype or just a drawing on a napkin, email it to ideas at subcotradefox.com. So Dan Foss 
has this really cool compressor and I, I I'm trying to gather up information because I want to do like a bunch of uh, educational posts on it it's the turbo core it's an oilless compressor and oilless compressor comes with less maintenance um, we don't have to worry about contaminants in the oil we don't have to wor worry about oil um, getting up into the system to lubricate it we don't have to worry about too much oil and causing a liquid slug or something like that in the system so that that technology I want to learn more about it and as I learn more about it I'm gonna pass it on but there's a, a few nice YouTube videos I recommend you guys go and look at when it comes to the Danfoss turbo core because it is very cool technology and if you really sit and look at it and and get into it a little bit you'll, you'll see how much engineering ingenuity went into that design so check that out guys but let's get back to Brandy and the rest of the podcast Yeah, it is. Uh, I, uh, I really was looking to uh, change my quality of life. Uh, I didn't so much. I was looking for an in-house gig. I was looking for a change. I didn't know if I would stay on the tools, if I would um, go into like a sales position or what I wanted to do. I quickly realized I wanted to stay on the tools, but um, I'm 48. I was kind of looking at that part saying, you know what, I'm not going to retire to the service van at like 60. It was getting to be a bit much. Mm -hmm. And, uh, and the hours were just like the on-call and that it was really starting to like weigh me down a bit. So just mentally, it was just heavy. So I looked at universities and I looked at all different types of places. Um, the nuclear plant, I worked up at there as a subcontractor. So I looked up um, in those areas and it was funny because I actually stumbled across, um, the hospital I, I mean I was actually looking I was looking for another friend that was looking for an electrical position <laughs> and uh someone had said oh yeah you should check out their website I think they're looking and then I came across like they were looking for an HVAC a refrigeration mechanic a 313a and I was like oh so I actually put my resume in there for shits and giggles like I won't lie <laughs> uh it wasn't like at the top of my list it's uh it's a bit of a pay cut but still it was okay and uh when they, they called to interview me, I was just like, huh? So I started seriously thinking about it. And I'm like, you know, I talked to other mechanics and they're like, oh, Brandy, like, you don't want to do that. Like, you're going to go to the same place every day. It's going to be like working at a factory. Like, that's not what you want. And, you know, I can honestly say uh, you got to try it for yourself, right? Before you know. And when I took the position, not only was I lucky enough that um, I always call it like I got a break in a new crew. <laughs> so when I go somewhere and I know I'm going to be the only female on the team, I've worked, even though I work for the same company, I moved through a few different branches as I worked my way north. Yep. And uh, it's never easy. Uh, there's always this really big period of adjustment. Uh, as easy as I try to make it for everyone else, it always is weird. And uh, this was a seamless transition for me. I was, uh, they were great. And I still am, I feel lucky to be a part of this team. And whoever wants to say that it's going to be boring being in-house, like not, a, I won't even drop the F-bomb, but you know what I mean? Not a chance, man. Like, it's great. Every day is a new adventure, like you said. Um, there's equipment. I, I haven't touched like ductless splits in probably 12 years. So this is all new to me. And uh, it's funny because even small stuff, like it's fun. It's fun for me again. Um, mm -hmm the MR like, and getting to work on some of the critical equipment, like the stuff that feeds the ORs and the MRI rooms or the CT scanners. Um, 
it's big business, you know, it's a hospital and we're in the middle of a pandemic and we had a really big second wave here um, in Southwestern Ontario. Um, we were really like at our capacity and, uh, you know, I felt like a big part of that team of, of making sure we were trying to keep everyone as safe as possible. I mean, I've talked about it a couple of my posts I had, like we've got the different um, HEPA units, the isolation fans, you know, from the smallest piece of equipment to, to still like there's large uh, low pressure centrifugal chillers in the powerhouse. Um, we got a bunch of trains in there too. So it's pretty cool. Every day is like a new adventure. And um, I take back all the mean things I've said about maintenance people because as, <laughs> as a service tech, I, I would always, I would always show up in the hospital and we, and we did, I did a lot of work in the healthcare sector and I'd be like those lazy, like they don't do any of their maintenance. <laughs> like they're so lazy, but the reality is, is we're understaffed too. And all I do is put out the biggest fire on that day. Right. Yes. So a lot of times the maintenance suffers, but that's not my fault because the best part of being in-house is like, once the day's over, it's over. Right. So so yeah. let me um, let me ask you this. Yeah. I've never heard of uh, a hospital hiring a full-on refrigeration technician. It's always just like a maintenance person or a couple of maintenance people that are just kind of yeah. handy. So like, yeah, there must be a ton of equipment there to maintain. Like, how big is this hospital? Oh, that's a great question. I should have had more statistics for you. I don't know. Square footage yeah. is not like, I mean, I'm not I, looking I guess, for the I square guess, footage, yeah. but yeah, we, we like... have about, uh, we have about 550 beds. Um, oh, okay. So that's huge then. Yeah. I think we've got, um, well, I know I worked in OR 14 the other day, so I'm assuming we have more than 14 OR rooms. Wow. Um, yeah. We got yeah. a couple MRIs, a couple CT scans. I, I basically have, I've got uh, we've got our buildings are broken up into a central building east and west so i've got basically just in that area alone i've got um six fair size mechanical rooms uh all with like their own obviously big sets of air handlers right um air handlers pumps you name it and then we've got a few little satellite mechanical rooms that kind of come off where obviously like most hospitals there's an older part and a newer part so when we've had to add equipment they've added it in those areas. So we actually have two, um, myself, myself and one other guy, um, we're the HVAC crew. So uh, we've, we, we both have our 313A um, and I have a gas fitter one. I believe my partner has a gas fitter two. We actually have three um, red steel journeyman electricians. We have two licensed plumbers on staff and we have one millwright right now. So actually, and we're looking for millwrights because our millwright retires in like April. And even saying that, Gary, like I had no idea what a millwright would do to a hospital. Like we have a full fab shop. You wouldn't believe what's involved in keeping all of those beds running. Like there's so much um, going on with those beds, with the, the hydraulics and the electronics. It's insane. Yeah. So yeah, this is what, uh, that's what our millwright does. And then we also obviously have, um, those are all of our licensed thread seal trades. And then we do have an, um, an un we have one unlicensed like painter handyman. And actually, we have another guy that does all of our doors and stuff like that, which are is a huge deal at a hospital, too. So, um, yeah, it's crazy, but it's it's a fully staffed place. And we're but we're actually even saying all of that, we're understaffed, like even it's not just the HVAC side. Every every one of us just runs around and puts out fires all day. So, mm. yeah, mm. we just do our best to keep the building running and uh, we don't want to impact any patient experience, obviously, or any procedures. So. 
when when you were when you mentioned you were in o, o, um, OR room 14 yeah OR 14 I thought you were gonna say they had 14 ORs I'm like how big is this hospital <laughs> yeah it, it's it's big enough I can say I get my steps in every day I'm like I'm well over 25,000 steps a day so but it's great and you know what it's um I feel like I'm a part of a family now which it's been a long time since I felt like that and uh it's a big place, but in a sense, it's still very small. So uh, I like it. I've, I'm really, I'm really happy with with the decision I made, and I made a, I made a decision based on lifestyle and not on money. And I think that that made a huge difference. And as a result, I mean, even picking up my teaching gig, uh, it more than makes up for, um, like, for the difference. You know, from um, I, I went from like the seven eight seven union, which is our other union. I've had, I've gone to the hospital union, right? So, mm -hmm. yeah, but. Uh, it's definitely, uh, it's an eye opener, like you said, and especially jumping into it in the middle of a pandemic. So, yeah, see, yeah. see, I was thinking until you said that you're running around putting out fires every day, I was thinking that in house would be kind of cool, in a way, because now you're not under the the quoted gun, you're not it's like you have eight hours to change your right? It's like you can take your time, you can do it properly, you can pull a proper vacuum, you can you know what I mean? Do everything the, the right way. And it's not a race to the finish line. Right. Well, and hopefully if it's not an emergency anyway, like if you have yeah. something down, that's uncritical and you can take your time, you have the time to do it right. So instead of doing a compressor in a day, maybe it's a day and a half because you're doing extra things like rearranging the wiring and zip tying it neat, cleaning out the unit, yeah. stuff like that. Like you can do all that on, on, on a, on an in-house job. Whereas if you're a contractor working for different places and people you're under that that quote and you, you got to get it done as fast as you can so i could see that being an advantage right yeah a lot of times uh it, i would say we go 50 50 with that there's stuff like when i started that was left over from the guy that was in my position before me and i'd be like oh like i can't believe he left like all these like boxes of dirty filters in the mechanical room or like i spent a lot of time cleaning up messes but then um shortly into my stint there the proverbial shit hit the fan and I all of a sudden realized why it was like that. So we do, the gun is still there, but I like that, right? Because that's part of the thrill of this job, right? Like you kind of like, we, I don't know if we crave the pressure, but we want that. Like you want that kind of, uh, you want that challenge, right? That you're under the deadline. So there are some days where, yes, it, it's like, there's, a, there's something down and it has to go, it has to be fixed like right away. So we're not calling anybody in like we're the ones that are going to drop everything and we're going to just get it up and running as, as, as quickly as we can. And then the hope is, is we'll go, but we're in-house, so we'll get to go back to it and clean up what we missed, right? Mm -hmm. like, like you said, if it's like wiring or like stuff like that, like, you know, we'll do our best or maybe we didn't finish the putting the insulation back on or something like that, right? But uh, it's 50-50. So sometimes you don't get that luxury and then other times you do. I'd say the other part of the luxury is, is they do call us first on the weekends or after hours. So we get first dibs on the hours if we want it, but there's no pressure anymore. I'm under no obligation to go in. So if like when the summer comes in July, I'm sitting up on the lake and they call, it's kind of like, well, you know, I'm two and a half hours away, so I'm not coming in and they'll be like, okay, no problem. And then they'll call in a, a subcontractor. So, yeah. So that that's that's what I was gonna ask. Like, how does if it's there's only two HVAC techs yourself yeah. and the other person, and obviously, like obviously it's shift work. You do a shift and they do a shift. Is that is it, or do you work no. together during the day? 
Yeah. So that's the cool part. I, um, that was the other part when I interviewed, um, it's a straight, um, eight to four. I say that in quotes because like, for example, if I have to work on the equipment that supplies MRI, we only can work on MRI between like midnight and 5.00 AM. That's the only time we don't, we don't run scans. So, I mean, I do have to shift my hours around, but I mean, Rob and I work the same eight to four shift basically. So the, the guys that, the guys that work the, the rotating 24 seven are the guys in the powerhouse. Um, and they're the, they're, they're just basically there watching shit, making, making sure everything is okay. So yeah, if a piece of equipment goes down in the middle of the night, those guys would call us first. So technically they should call Rob first because he has seniority, but, um, Rob has three young kids and they already know. And Rob already tells people, told them when I started, like, don't even call me. You might as well call Brandy first because I guess he never goes in anyway. So they call me now normally. And then if I can't come in or I don't want to, um, then they'll call in a subcontractor. So it's, uh, we all just work a straight eight to four and that's part of the, the gravy of the gig, right? Like you're just, uh, yeah, I, I have my little workbench and my red tool cart with the wheels and my ladders on it and, uh, and, a, and a shop at my disposal, right? So I never have to run out to the wholesaler anymore. Uh, all the gear is there. There's the coffee maker and the microwave for lunch. Like I haven't had a hot lunch and like, well, I had, I got my mini hot logic a couple of years ago, but before that it's like 14 years since I've had a hot lunch. So yeah, it's the little things Gary that make the difference, which is kind of funny. Like some people have said that to me, they're like, you're so excited about things that seem so insignificant. I'm like, but they're significant when you haven't had them forever. So I yeah. think it would be super cool to have a shop and then to have your tools on on a cart that with wheels so it's, there's no strain on your back and your legs. Nothing. I mean, yeah. I, I I think that would be super cool. Um, like there, there's been buildings that we've taken care of that that are so big uh, that like there's sheds up on the roof that had tools in it. Yeah. that you and, and a cart so you could go up it was like these buildings we had in-house people in these buildings too yeah. right there was people there maybe like two or three guys every single day they worked full-time in there yeah and there, there was sheds up on the roof with like recovery machines and vacuum pumps and and uh and and carts yeah. I, I believe and, and then there's there's other places that have had sheds up on the roof for filters and stuff and then they would get whoever like a helper or whatever big filter delivery order comes in for the year and they spend the day organizing it. And so it's, it's already right. You don't need to haul them up when you're doing your maintenance. So these are the kind of advantages that in-house brings, I think. And, and I'm surprised, I'm surprised you said you're not getting bored because um, yeah, that, no. that is one of the things that a lot of people, like you said, your, your other, the other techs yeah. you're talking to saying it's like punching in at a factory every day. Cause it's the same place, same people, but you're not, you find a different experience of that, right? Is that what you're yeah, saying? Yeah. And I mean, well, there's something different broken every day. Well, and even let's like, I've never worked on pneumatics before, like for one. So half of my one side of my building is pneumatic. So, I mean, it's, it's an entirely different animal. Um, there is still a lot of it out there. Like we had a pneumatics guy at JCI and I often wondered, I'm like, well, what could this guy do? Right. But yeah, there's a lot to do with that too. So I think for me, um, I'm still on a really big learning curve. I'm working on like refrigeration equipment, which normally I've most of my career has been um, air conditioning. So I haven't really worked on low temp. So I have that. Also, we've got um, like the blood fridges and stuff like that. 
in the lab. So that's a whole different animal. We're responsible for all of those. Um, and really we try to break it up. Like Rob has a lot more experience in that as well as ice machines. Um, so Rob tries to take care of most of that. And then I take care of most of the HVAC, but there's a lot of times, uh, like Rob was off for a little bit, he wasn't doing so well. So then I'm responsible for everything. So I don't know when or if getting bored is ever going to be a factor for me there. To be honest with you, I'm sure we could, we could easily staff if they had the money, like another 313A and there would still be more than enough work for everyone. So I'm totally not bored and I'm definitely still in a very steep learning curve. And it's kind of like, you need that change up. Like it's really renewed my sense of excitement about the trade again, because I'm learning again, you know, like it's, it's, it's one of those things, not that I wasn't learning before everything was different, but I just think you get to a point where uh, if you're not really happy with where you're at, and I know a lot of guys kind of get to those places, the grass, it's not that the grass is greener, but I think you learn what you really need from your job or the, your place of employment and you find a place that's going to make you happy, which, you know, for me, like being 12 minutes away um, is great. I love having a life again. You know, I look forward to like maybe dating finally again. Like no, nobody knows like when you run the hours that we run, right. Um, it's one thing if you're already married with the family, but for those of us that are single, I mean, it's crazy if you're working like 70, 80 hours a week, right. Like there's just no time. And let me tell you, people don't believe you when you say, oh, hey, like I got to cancel. I got called in. <laughs> like, so <laughs> there's a, there's definitely more advantages, I think, than disadvantages, at least in this position. And uh, like just the just the variety of equipment, um, honestly, it's, it's definitely not punching in and out. And then we had a big blow up in the powerhouse that happened. So we were baby babysitting an automatic transfer switch for almost four weeks while I was teaching. So I was working some like 22 hour days. Like it was crazy, you know, like, yeah, that's nuts. Yeah. So I, I can say it's going to be a while before I can even think of, I, I actually might look forward to getting bored at this point, to be honest with you. So, but uh, yeah, it's been, it's been really good. And like I said, an eye opener just for really what happens in the healthcare industry. Um, it's amazing what goes on under that roof, you know? So, yeah. Um, when you, when you brought up pneumatics, I thought of a really good meme that, that had to do with uh, like pneumatic stats and boomers. I, I got to put something together because <laughs> I don't, I haven't seen pneumatics in forever and all the, and all the, the guys that I started with that they're now in their like fifties, these guys were like experts at pneumatics. Right. Yeah. But I, I haven't seen pneumatics in geez, 12, 13 years now, at least easy. Oh, uh like my first week, I think I was only on day three. And so I had had to only replace a couple of pneumatic stats, but when I pull them off the wall, the tubing comes with them and you just like unpluck them, put the new one on. So I pull this one off the wall and it actually has like, comes into this copper head and there's like a gasket and a plate. And I had no idea. I had never seen anything like it. And luckily I was in like a supply closet, which is a good thing I wasn't in a patient room. And like, I did have a gauge on it later on. It was like 110 pounds coming out of this thing. Like my bangs were like straight up in the air oh, wow. and thank God for our radios. So I, I could not get, like, I couldn't get it to reseat. I needed a new gasket is what I needed, which I didn't know at the time. So I was like, like the boy with his finger in the hole in the dike. Like I just like, I, I had my finger over this hole and I radioed for my buddy and I'm like, Hey, um, are you busy right now? Could you come up to room? Blah, blah, blah. 
<laughs> and he came upstairs and he and my tow car's out in the hallway and I'm like I can't leave this like this like people were freaking out they thought there was like an oxygen tank that had gone off or something <laughs> so so I basically sat up there and waited and I thought to myself too just like you said I'm like I can't believe like this I like I work on chillers like I can't believe this archaic dinosaur has got me but yeah we had to take this whole little copper head apart. There's all these, like this little plate. And then there's this little black gasket that goes in. And that's what had happened. It had just dried out and corroded. And when I pulled the stat off, it just crumbled and blew itself like right out. And it was insane. So it's just hilarious. Like the, these like weird things. And I mean, it's probably been in the building for, I don't know, like 60 years or something. Who knows how long it's been there, but yeah, that's the, pneum that's the pneumatics has been a has been a fun learning curve uh, the, between the actuators and the different stats. And I found three different types of heads already. So now I'm very cautious when I pull one off the wall because I'm I'm aware now that who knows what's behind door number two, right? Like you don't know. It's like it's great. So yeah, yeah. I, I would I would love to see pneumatics again, just just for the challenge of like trying yeah. to figure them out again and work on them because they weren't that complicated. I mean, it's just air. It's just right? there. Yeah. Just there. Um, and, and from my understanding, uh, like they have little, like the little ports on the bottom, like um, main and branch. And I, I don't, I don't remember all these, these terms that well, because I haven't seen them in so long, but um, I remember like looking at the thermostats and it, it, it didn't seem that complicated. It was like pilot main and branch are the three words that I sort of that come yeah. into my head as, as far as pneumatics go. But, the, the thing I wanted to ask you about that was interesting, and I don't know if you've had experience with this yet, but from what I understand in Canada, like in the, in the U S they have the EPA in Canada, we have um, the ministry of an environment that I think regulates like refrigerant and the leaks and all that kind of stuff mm -hmm. in a hospital setting. From what I understand, like regular setting, if you have a leak, you're not allowed to put refrigerant into the system without fixing the leak first. Right. This is, but for in a hospital setting, if it comes down to like MRI machines or like oper operating room um, equipment, you're allowed to fill it up without fixing a leak. Have you come across this at all? Yeah. So we haven't come across something we haven't had redundancy with yet. But yeah, that that was explained to me before that there um, there will be times when um, it is one of those things. It's like the lesser evil, right? Like yes, we do have to fix the leak and. But if we do need to just jam some gas in it to keep it going, and then we schedule like the leak repair or whatever, when the machine's going to be down, whether it be later that night or the next day, then that's acceptable in that scenario. So, and uh, like the MRI machine, we've been having a lot of problems with it, but luckily we have a city water bypass. So um, actually I have to work on that tomorrow, but for now it's in city water bypass, which is fine. But we uh, we did lose most of the charge on that machine, so um, we didn't have to just fill it up and, and get it going because we had an alternative. But yeah, I think if it comes down to like someone's life, like a life or death, or people waiting for a test, which could possibly you know point them in the direction of what's going on with their with their illness, then we have that right to to just get the equipment up and running. So mm -hmm. yeah. So I mean, be before we head out, I would it would be cool to get sort of how the, the, this MR, MRI machine like works, like what's, what cools it and, and, and how does it all function? Cause I've never seen one before. 
Yeah. So, so I'm learning too. So actually I've got to, I can probably post a little bit more that might like go on with this in the next couple of days. But, mm-hmm. um, I know like a couple, this is why another thing I love about, um, your app and everything too, which I need to be more diligent on posting more of my stuff on the app, but, uh, you reach out to somebody and they're like, Oh yeah, I work on these, but I've worked on these before. And it's like, Oh, okay, cool. So I guess the biggest deal is, is number one, we don't want to lose, there's a helium charge in them, which is like, uh, actually today, Rob said to me, he thinks that if we lost the helium charge on one MRI machine, it would cost around 75 K to like replace the helium charge. So that's in itself as part of like the MRI machine. So that's why it's so critical that the cooling doesn't go down. It's actually not just that we want the machine to run and we want patients to be able to get their tests done, but it's that we can't lose this helium charge. Right. What so, does the so what does the helium do? I'm I'm confused on that. Is that's yeah. not part of the cool is that part of the cooling system or not? No, but that's part okay. of why we need the cooling system. So okay. and that's all I really know about that. And I'm sure there's some that'll listen that'll know everything about it. But again, I just dipped my toes in this. It was not until yesterday at 2 p.m. And as I posted, my day was done at 3.15, so I had to go. But, and today, because we're on city bypass, we put out a few other fires. So we're not really gonna get too far into it until tomorrow. The other problem is, is it's hard to troubleshoot machines like this because we have to set aside a time when they can run the machine and give us a load, but without having a patient in it. So uh, it's, it's hard to work on this. Some, some, of the, some of the equipment at the hospital is hard to work on because you just don't get that opportunity to say you can't sh- shut stuff down whenever you want and you don't get to troubleshoot and just run things when, when you want. So, um, but anyway, these are, uh, it's basically a glycol loop that goes through the chiller. So um, it's got a glycol on the evap side. It's got an evap bundle and then the condenser is air cooled. And uh, there's two chillers, one for each MRI. And um basically that's that this cooling loop does something with the MRI machine. And that's the biggest part of it though, is that we don't want them to overheat because then I guess we can blow our helium charge through the reliefs. And uh, there's actually, I have pictures I checked that I was going to post later on, but there's actually like a fenced off area on the roof with this huge discharge for the relief. And it does say like stand clear because there could be frozen um, particles and objects that could be discharged from it. And I think it's probably like a 10 or 12 inch round uh, relief duct that comes out of the, the roof. For helium. For helium, yeah. So, so if, it, if it discharges everyone, the neighborhood will be talking with a high pitched voice. Is that? <laughs> I totally didn't think so. <laughs> Yeah, so basically that's why we want to make sure that they don't overheat is because we're going to blow our charge. But um, as far as the ins and outs of how these MRIs actually work, that's a whole nother story. So. We have a com- another sub that comes in, a subcontractor. I think they're called Phillips, and um, they're in tomorrow as well. So we're working on the chiller part of it, and then they have the MRI part of it. And I guess uh, together we're going to figure out what our situation is going on there. I do know, like, we're starting with the basics as refrigeration mechanics. Um, like, it initially, we just went to start the chiller, and it immediately, the gauges just plummeted on the suction side, and she was off on low pressure, like, right away. So... I mean, it, it only holds, uh, it's like 53 pounds. I think it takes uh, 407, our 407. So we're going to start there. Uh, we found a Schrader that was just like, the gas was just coming right out of there. It was leaking really bad. Uh, there was no cap on it. There's still some charge in it, but that was the first thing. And then I had a, posted a couple of pictures. Someone has cut away part of a coil, the coil on the condenser side, but we're still picking up uh, refrigerant there too. So 
stay tuned for the MRI adventure. <laughs> awesome. Well, thanks for your time, Brandy. I really appreciate it. And, and I think it's cool that, that you found uh, a place that you can call home and you're enjoying it. And, um, yeah. and, and you're really taking, taking the, on the, the, the teaching role and, and getting back into that. That's, that's, that's really cool. Yeah, thanks. It's great. I'm really, uh, I'm enjoying this next part of this next avenue of life in HVAC too. So it's great. Change is good sometimes. And uh, I love that our career paths, you can make it fit, fit the lifestyle that you want. So we're, we're very lucky. Like, I think we picked a, we all picked a good one that are part of the trade. So thanks for having me again, Gary. Yeah, no problem. And when you find out more about that MRI machine, or yes. if you just want to throw some stuff up on the, the the app part, I mean, I'm sure everybody would be interested in seeing it. Yeah, I'm definitely I'm going to dive deep into that. So I'll definitely make sure I post more on that in the next uh, the next few days. I'm in reading week this week. So it's great. I have a little bit of extra time at night this week. Awesome. Cool. Yeah. Okay, awesome. All Thanks. right. Take it easy. Okay, bye. Awesome chat, Brandy. You make it sound like in-house is a, uh, a really cool thing. I mean, I would love to have a shop outfitted, cabinets with parts stocked, uh, rolling around my tools on, on a set of wheels instead of carrying them. I think that would be super cool. So thanks for getting on the podcast. Thanks for giving us some insight into your teaching role and your new role at the hospital. That was, that was awesome. And good luck to you as you progress through this role. But I'm out, guys. Happy HVACing. Thank you once again to the Master Group. Hope you enjoyed the show. Follow HVAC Know-It-All on Instagram, Facebook, YouTube, TikTok, Twitter, LinkedIn, and anywhere else Gary feels like popping up. This has been a Two Smokes and a Coffee production.